What's up? What's up? How are you guys feeling today? All right, so before, uh, before the kids get out of here, how does the man in the moon cut his hair? He eclipses it. I couldn't resist. All right, kids, you guys can roll out to your kids' phrase if you want to. Hey, you try to come up with an eclipse joke. Come on, see if you can do any better. Challenge you. Yeah. So, uh, uh, man, it's so awesome that you're here today. If you're a guest with us, we want to extend a special welcome to you to Aspen Grove. Uh, uh, do we have anybody in town that, that really is here for this lunar photobomb that's happening tomorrow? Like, uh, anybody here just for the eclipse? So we were in, we were in downtown. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Anyone still need eclipse glasses? I mean, these things are harder to come by than, like, isn't it crazy? Like, um, so you guys going to watch the eclipse tomorrow? Uh, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm, I want to take bets on who's going to damage their eyesight tomorrow. I'm thinking Josh Osteen. I am. <laughs> yeah, so. Okay. Good. Just try. Just try, uh, go figure looking at the sun, bad for your eyes. I mean, who could have guessed? Who could have guessed? Man, uh, if you uh, brought your Bibles, I invite you to go ahead and open them up to Romans chapter 13. Been in a Roman teaching series for a little while, and if, if you're following along in our reading guide, we, we're actually a little bit behind, uh, uh, but uh, we, we are digging deep into Romans. This series has been called Some Kind of Wonderful because in, in Romans, Paul is writing this incredible good news letter. And, and don't let anyone mislead you. Romans is about the good news of Jesus Christ from start to finish. And Paul, when he talks in Romans, it's not just grace, it's wonderful grace. And it's not just kindness, but wonderful kindness of God extended to us. But by chapter 13, Paul is uh, like any preacher. He's realizing, hey, this sermon's getting kind of long, and I need to wrap this up. And so what you'll see in these last few chapters is, is really some condensed sections of thought of, oh, I've got to get to this. I've got to get to this. I've got to tell them this. And it comes in in a hurry. And so today we're actually going to read all of chapter 13 and, and kind of talk about three sections and how they fit together. You're going to like this. Let's begin. Chapter 13, beginning of verse 1. It's going to be on the screen if you want to follow along there. Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what's right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for, for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them. Not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Uh, I wish this part wasn't in there. Uh, pay your taxes too. For these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. And then finally, to wrap it up, it says, 
Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And then this is the part I really want to land on. Give respect and honor to those who are in authority. I know it's completely foreign for us to believe that submitting to authority has been an issue over the years. Even 2,000 years ago, Paul writing to Christians in Rome struggling with submission and the ideas of authority. So Paul wants to speak to it. What I would say as we look at this section just briefly is the point Paul is trying to make and and the heart of it is that all authority comes from God. God is the ultimate authority. So some people ask me, okay, well, what if somebody in authority asked me to do something that's immoral or not right or wrong? And uh, I've never been in the military, but, but I think this is how it works in the military. So in the military, you have a commanding officer. You have a CO. You have somebody that gives you orders. And as long as they give you orders, your job is to follow those orders, correct? But I think there's one exception, If your CO gives you orders that are somehow wrong or immoral, your ultimate obligation is to God. And so if you receive orders that are immoral, um, you are obligated as a follower of God not to follow those orders. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be free of consequences, correct? And I think as you whittle this down, this passage down, It gets really to that. Go ahead and put that last verse up there again, Stephen. It talks about respect and honor. Two weeks ago, I was at the the Global Leadership Summit. Uh, Maybe you guys have heard about it. Bill Hybels and the Willow Creek Church, each year they do this summit about leadership. 400,000 leaders in over 150 countries participate. And in Bill Hybel's opening talk to literally leaders, uh, uh, leaders of businesses, leaders of churches, leaders of governments all over the world, he began his, his whole talk by saying, we have an epidemic of disrespect. Would you agree? And yet scripture says, give respect and honor to those who are in authority. I want to share with you some of uh, Bill Hybel's thoughts. I don't want to give him credit, but, but I think the fact that he, he gave some of these, uh, he actually gave 10 rules of respect to, to 400,000 leaders around the world. He said, we have an epidemic of disrespect, and, and we need to address it. He celebrated uh, the, uh, uh, there was a, he heard the story of a, a, a Southwest uh, Airlines. You guys know Southwest. Have you seen that the airlines have been in the press a little bit lately for respect-related issues, incivility issues. He told the story of a, of a Southwest Airline flight attendant um, who had a passenger that was just being incredibly disrespectful. Disrespectful to the other passengers, disrespectful to the flight crew. And this flight attendant, on her own initiative, invited the disrespectful person up out of their seat, which they came, they didn't have to drag them, um, invited the disrespectful person up out of the seat, out of the airline, 
across the terminal where she personally bought this disrespectful passenger a ticket on another airline. And the head of C, the, the CEO of Southwest Airlines praised her and said disrespect in any form or fashion will not be tolerated. So we have an epidemic of disrespect and I wanna share with you Heibel's 10 rules of respect. And, I, and I, I'm just sharing his because I think, I think they're so poignant and so good. He said, first, you need to have written rules of respect. Uh, do you have written rules of respect in your home? He said, maybe we need to start writing these down. In, a, in our businesses, maybe even in your churches, in your, in your home, you need to have written rules of respect, and they need to be basic. It starts with basic, basic things like, we will greet and acknowledge each other. We will say please and thank you. We will treat each other equally. We will be direct, but also sensitive and honest. We will address incivility wherever it occurs. That's what the Southwest attendant did, right? We'll address it. In his 10 rules of respects, he says, we are to set the example of how to differ without demonizing. Differ without demonizing. We need to show others how to have spirited conversations without drawing blood. Can we do that? The 10 rules of respect include we will not interrupt or try to dominate conversations. We will limit our volume levels and, and refuse incendiary or belittling words. We will be courteous in word and deed to everyone at every level. Uh, there was a time, uh, uh, it's been a couple of years now, but we took a, uh, some of our church, some of our student ministry went to Culver's. You guys know Culver's? Heart attack burger? Uh, it's awesome. I love that place. So we were, uh, I was with a group of students, and I won't name any names or anything like that. Uh, they don't go here anymore. Um, but uh, there was a, we were walking up to the door, and there was a, a pregnant woman carrying a baby coming out as I was coming in. And so I opened the door and stood out of the way so the pregnant woman carrying a baby could come out. And as soon as I opened the door, two of our junior high students thought I was opening it for them. And they ran through, nearly knocking the pregnant woman over because they had to get in line first for a heart attack burger. And um, I like had my little zen peace moment, like peace. Let's not murder anyone today. Um, and I, I, I did good, you'd be proud of me. I calmly went to our students who were anxiously waiting in the front of line and told them, I said, you know, when I opened that door, it wasn't for you. And I said, you, you ran over a person <laughs> trying to get in. And uh, as your punishment, you will not be first in line. In fact, I want you to go back to the doors, and you guys are to hold the doors open for the next 10 guests coming in or out before you can get back in line. And you know what happened? 
the employees behind the counter at Culver's who are watching this whole thing happen, they applauded. <laughs> right? And I, I think I got my lunch free that day, so there you go. We will be courteous in word and deed to everyone at every single level. I don't care who serves your lunch today. I don't care if it's the worst lunch you've ever had. You'll be courteous. We will never stereotype. This, is, this one's going to be really hard. It's, it's very anti-Facebook. But we will form opinions carefully and stay open if better info comes along. Uh, I love this. As a, he added this as 10 rules of respect. He added, we will show up when we say and do what we say as a way of respecting others. And then finally, um, this one you've heard me harp on before. The last one in his list is, uh, we will apologize immediately when wrong. When was the last time you said you were sorry? Your homework today, I don't care where you're at or where you've been, uh, it's been too long. I'm just going to tell you right now. We need to be the first to admit wrongdoing and apologize. I don't think, um, contrary to what happens sometimes, I don't think we can, we can demand respect. I mean, maybe you can try. Um, I, I'm not even sure um, how, how teaching respect words works. But what you can do, each and every one of us, is show respect to everyone always. Amen? At Aspen Grove Christian Church, even here today, in this place, sitting next to you, are likely people who believe different from you. And I want you to know that if you come here, you will be treated with respect. Even if your beliefs are vastly different than mine, you will be shown respect. Amen? Let's keep going. Verse 8 through 10. Paul says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. It's almost as if... Um, Paul comes out of this section talking about a government and taxes and authority and submission and respect and honoring others and, and says, okay, well, well how, do we, how do we do that? How, does that? how does that really work? And so he wants to address these ideas. And, and really this last section about even paying your taxes is tied to these verses 8 through 10. Go ahead and leave them up there, Stephen. And he begins with this, uh, this very American idea of owe nothing to anyone, right? This is us to a core. I don't want to owe anybody anything. 
we are fiercely dependent. Our, our highest goal of society, right, is to to one day I'm going to retire and I'm going to owe I'm going to own everything and I'm going to owe everybody nothing. I don't want to owe anyone anything. And Paul says, "Well, hold on a second, because you do have a debt to pay." He said, "Sure, that's fine. Don't." Don't owe anything to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. Maybe you've been one to say, well, I don't owe anyone anything. Have you ever heard that? I don't owe anyone anything. Paul says, wrong. If you believe the words of Scripture, you will see that you are not debt-free. I know it hurts Dave Ramsey fans everywhere. He says, you owe a love debt. You owe a debt of love to everyone. None of us are exempt from it. I love the story of of Randall Stevenson, another story that came out of the the leadership summit I was at. Randall Stevenson, uh, any of you guys know, CEO of AT&T. So I don't know if you noticed there's been like some racial tension or something in our country recently. <clears throat> so Randall Stevenson, CEO of AT&T, wanted to address race relations uh, with his company. And so he called a Skype conference with everyone at AT&T. I don't know how many thousands of employees that is. But he called every single employee to tune in to this message about race relations. And listen to what he said. He said, I'm not asking you to simply tolerate. Tolerance is for cowards. Oh, that's going to be good, right? I'm not asking you to simply tolerate. Tolerance is for cowards. Don't merely tolerate. He says, I want you to work hard, move into uncomfortable territory, and seek to understand each other. And then he said this, CEO of the company said, I love this organization. I want you to love each other. powerful. He knows that we have a love debt to each other. And so it is not enough for us. Love is more than than tolerance or avoidance. Love really seeks understanding. And maybe that is the way we show respect as well, is to seek understanding. I love what Andy Stanley said. Andy Stanley said, he said, as I have grown, as I have learned, he said, "I, I I have made a decision in my life to never criticize that which I don't understand. How many of us could benefit from that? Love seeks understanding. Love is not just tolerant, but love seeks understanding. And we owe a love debt to everyone. Finally, last section, verses 11 through 14. Oh gosh, Romans is so good. Don't you just love Romans? Man. He says, this is all the more urgent for you now, for you know how late it is. He says, time is running out. Wake up! For our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. 
because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. So don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or sexual promiscuity or, or immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Look what he says in yellow. He says, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. If, if the fire alarm in this building went off right now, you know, the, we have sirens and strobe light. That's, that actually happened on a Sunday morning. Like, we'll, have you ever been here when that happens? That's really exciting. It's always great for a sermon. Um, but if the fire alarm went off right now, every one of you would know that this is serious, right? And we would, we would get up and, and we, would act, we would act out the whole drill, like the drill you learned since you were in elementary school. Right? It would be fire drill. People would be worried about their kids. We would go line up outside. If the, if the alarm went off, we would know things are getting serious. And that is exactly what Paul does in this part of Scripture. He sounds the alarm. This is all the more urgent for, for you know how late it is. He says, time is running out. Wake up. The night is almost gone. And what he calls for the people, the Christians of Rome, thousands of years ago, is the exact same thing he calls for us. He says, it is time for a change. And what he likens it to is a change of clothes. He said, just, just like when you get up in the morning... He said, it, it is time for us to take off immorality, to, to take off self-righteousness, to take off disobedience, to take off jealousy. We need to take off disrespect and greed and quarreling. Just like we're taking off our, our socks and our shoes and our shirt, we need to take off racism. Amen? And instead, he says, I love the New Living Translation. This is so good. It says, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're taking all this other stuff off, and, and what I want you to do is put on the presence of Jesus. Literally in the Greek, it is put on Jesus. That's pretty straightforward, don't you think? The presence of Jesus changes things it's the maybe it's the 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 you know what it's like to have your teacher in your classroom right uh and then what's it what's it like to have a substitute in the classroom right like the that presence changes things right like my son canon he does uh he behave canon is his best self my four-year-old son canon he is his best self in my presence he is why because I'm immune to his cuteness. I will bust his little honey. I will. like, And I love him dearly. But he is his best self in my presence. And that's exactly what it says. It says, clothe yourself in the presence of Jesus Christ. You will be your best self when you put on Jesus. Because Jesus' presence has the power to change things. 
Jesus' presence was able to speak to the storm and calm it. Jesus' presence was able to drive out demons, heal wounds, forgive sins, and even bring new life. This can be hard for some of you to hear. The world doesn't need more of your presence. The world needs more of his. In just a minute, we're going to enter into a time of communion, and we've got some, uh, we've got some stations set up. It, it's a part of our tradition. It's a part of our heart. It's something we do every single week. And so we have three stations set up around the room, and in a minute, I'll say a prayer, and I'll send you to those stations. I, I, I want you to take the elements of communion, the, the cup which represents the blood that Jesus poured for us, and the bread that, that represents his body broken for us. And as you literally commune with his presence, I'm going to invite you maybe to do something a little bit different today. Uh, I want you to take your communion with Jesus and your time seriously, but I'm going to invite you to pray with each other. Uh, I, I, think it would be, I think it would be great if we used our communion time with his presence to pray for our leaders and pray for our country, pray for our government, pray for those in authority over us. You think that would be a worthy use of our time? So maybe as you take these elements of communion, we pray for those that God has placed in authority over us. Maybe there's some hard corners in our own heart of places where we have harbored incivility, places that we have harbored disrespect, and maybe we need to turn some of those over to God. Is some of your disrespect for people in authority over you, is, is that really... Um, just a result of your own lack of faith in God's ultimate authority? So I'm going to invite you to, to pray together. And I know maybe some of you are a guest and we don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. But if you're comfortable, wrap arms around each other. Let's pray for our country. Let's pray for our government. Let's pray for a remergence of respect. Um. Do you know why it's so difficult to bend a penny? This is horrible. Because change is hard. I know. I know. <clears throat> I know. Change is hard, but it's time for change. Right? We need to show respect to everyone at all times. We need to pay our love debt to others by seeking understanding. And it's time to change our clothes. To pull off the dirty clothes of, of immorality and selfishness and put on the presence of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for, for your word and, and for its power to convict. God, I pray that, that uh, Paul, who, who you spoke through so long ago, would still, like his voice, would ring through today into our hearts, that your voice, your message, your spirit would carry the, the, the power and the truth of these words deep within us. Father God, I pray that uh, hearts would be opened 
I pray that, that those of us who have, who have been so wronged and so disrespected would, would come to a place where we could release some of that. And accept your grace and forgiveness. Father God, I pray for the kind of change Paul talked about. God, I pray that your presence would come. Dwell on us. That each day we would, we would put you on a little bit more that we would grow as followers of you, that, that we would embody the ideas of discipleship that you presented. Father God, I thank you so much for your son Jesus. Man, these, these things aren't, aren't possible without him. We thank you for his death, his burial, his resurrection. Father God, we remember you in this time, in this space. And we go forward with a mission to share you. We love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says,